0: Hello, and welcome to the Locked On Wolves Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked on Wolves. I'm also the editor over at Dunking with Wolves, the Timberwolves site on the Fan Side of Network. Happy Monday, everybody. A reminder that Mondays on Locked On NBA, you can start your week with the latest NBA news and game recaps on the Locked On NBA show. Josh Lloyd is the host of the number one fantasy basketball podcast in the world. He also hosts in NBA on Monday, so will take you on the NBA's major headlines with the help of our local experts. Follow the In NBA podcast today, wherever you get podcasts. Happy Monday, everybody. Today, uh, lots to talk about. Um, the first thing, and this is quick, Leandro Bomaro officially signed on Saturday. This was after the press conference last week, I think on Thursday. I, I covered that on Friday's episode of Lockdown Wolves, but Bomaro has officially signed. The Wolves are now basically capped out. They've got one roster spot left, but um, that's the final move barring a major trade. So not much else to say about that other than it's happened. Um, Bomaro's on the roster. He's coming. He's going to be with the team this year. That's done. The, what I want to f- spend the bulk of today's show on, first, I want to go through another ESPN forecast. Um, and I talked on Friday's show about the ridiculous uh, Western Conference preview that had the Wolves 13th in the West behind Sacramento, behind San Antonio. If you want to listen to me gripe about that, uh, I, obviously, you could tell I, I it's it was, I thought it was awful. Go back and listen to the show Friday. Today, I want to talk about a different NBA prediction article over at ESPN. It's an ESPN Insider piece where a, a panel of experts voted on team turnarounds this year, team turmoil, and other questions related to the 2021 2022 season. So, I want to spend the first segment covering that. And then I want to get into the Robert Covington trade. And before, you know, I, I want to take it a couple layers further. On its face, it might seem like, hey, the Wolves did okay with that deal. You know, Rocco's still playing on that same contract and he's still a solid player. Maybe it's not that clear of a win. But when you really kind of play out each of the pieces that the Wolves got in this deal, it's a clear win for the Timberwolves. Um, so I want to dive into that. That'll be, uh, I guess, the bulk of the show today. First, a reminder that if you're not already following or subscribed to this podcast, you can follow it wherever you listen to podcasts. That, of course, includes Apple, as well as Google, Spotify, and the all-new Odyssey app. That's Odyssey, A-U-D-A-C-Y. And of course, you can also watch on YouTube now. This is, I believe, the start of week four that we're on YouTube. So if you're not following or subscribed there, please do that and uh, help us uh, here as we grow that YouTube channel. You can also follow the show, of course, on Twitter at T Wolves. That's at Locked On. T-Wolves, don't forget the T and at B-Beacon with two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. Okay, let's talk about this ESPN prediction thing first. So this is uh, this is a, a group of panelists that voted. There's not a whole lot of transparency about who this is, how many people this, this was. I think doing the math on the percentages, I want to say it's about 30 panelists. There's a point system that isn't explained anywhere near as I can tell as part of this ESPN series, but this is at ESPN.com. On their NBA page, obviously, um, an ESPN Plus or Insider piece, so you do need a subscription to ESPN Plus in order to read it. Um, So I'm not going to read everything verbatim because of the paywall stuff, uh, but I will talk about where the wolves are and and why I think, why either agree or disagree. We'll put it that way. Um, So the first in this article, it's it's entitled, NBA Predictions Are Panels Picks for Team Turmoil, Team Turnaround, and Pressing 2021-22 Questions. The first category that the panel votes on is team turnaround. Watch for a sudden rise. Which team is poised to bounce back or improve the most this season? So the obvious answer, I mean, if you're just, you know, casual NBA fan, hey, which team's going to have the biggest jump, we'll call it, which I I think is another way to say turnaround, from last season to this season in terms of record. Obviously, the Golden State Warriors, right? Um, Draymond Green missed a chunk of games. Klay Thompson, of course, missed the entire season last year. To get them back healthy with Steph Curry, they're obviously going to be much better. Uh, the Miami Heat are going to be better. They had some bad luck last year. Kyle Lowry's there. Uh, those ones are pretty obvious. Um, and then the Wolves, I think, have to be in this conversation, and they are. Uh, in terms of voting, the panelists. There were only nine teams that received votes at all. The Timberwolves are seventh in the voting. They got ten percent of the first place votes, which I I think is too. Well, I guess if there's 30, it would be three. Maybe it's only 20 panelists. At any rate, they got 10% of the first place votes, 12 points, whatever that means. Um, The number one team on the list was the Golden State Warriors. They had 39 points and 30% of first place votes. I get that. I buy it. The Heat are second. I buy that too. The Wolves are seventh. There were nine teams total that received votes. The teams between the Timberwolves and the Heat at number two are the Chicago Bulls, Boston Celtics, LA Lakers, and Toronto Raptors. I understand the sentiment with the Celtics and Lakers, two veteran teams that had disappointing seasons last year, especially the Lakers, even more so than Boston. But putting the Bulls at three is a little bit surprised. I get that they got DeMar DeRozan. I understand that. But they also, get, you know, Laurie Markkinen's not there anymore. The roster still underwent quite a bit of change. Can Zach Levine lead this team to the playoffs? I do think they'll be better. I don't know about, uh, you know, playoffs, you know, third best turnaround in the league better. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not quite clear on that. But uh, the Bulls at three, the Raptors at six. I mean, they're just edged out the Timberwolves. And actually, the Wolves got more first place votes than both the Lakers and Raptors. Raptors. I should point that out. The Wolves had 10% of the first place votes, which tied them with the Heat and Celtics and was behind the Bulls and the Warriors. So um, this actually isn't a terrible list. I would maybe slide the Wolves a, a slot or two higher because the injury thing, if you want to use that for, I mean, you could use it for the Heat, you could use it for the Warriors. Now, the baseline's obviously higher. The Warriors were already a better team, far better team than the Timberwolves. But the injury thing is very applicable to the Timberwolves, of course, with with all three of their best players, or all four of them, I guess, if you want to include uh, Beasley, Towns, Russell, and, well, I guess Edwards wasn't hurt, but the fact that he wasn't himself until later in the year, but Beasley, Russell, and... and uh, and um Beasley, Russell, and Towns, all missed times due to time due to injury um, and illness and suspension and all those things combined for those guys. Uh, and then obviously natural growth, roster improvement, even if it's incremental, the roster is definitely better than it was last year. So uh, all those reasons I think still stand. And, and I, you know, I don't think it's crazy to, to, to have the Wolves where they are on this, on this list. The second category is team turmoil. This is where it gets kind of weird. Um, the definition here is where drama looms. Um, the team that will have surrounded by the most drama this season, according to ESPN. Number one, of course, is the Philadelphia 76ers. They got 55% of first-place votes, 61 overall points. And then there were several teams at 10%. The Lakers, Bulls, Clippers, and Blazers all got 10% of the vote. The Wolves were the only other team to receive votes. They got 5% of the first-place votes for a team with the most turmoil, and they were seventh out of seven teams listed. I'm surprised they're on this list at all. Um, I actually struggled to come up with the reason why you would think, why anybody would think the Wolves would be one of the top seven turmoil most turmoil-ridden, riddled teams, I guess, this year, unless, unless you think that the Simmons thing is going to hang over their heads and Russell's going to get upset because he's in trade rumors or Beasley's going to get upset because he's in trade rumors or Beasley gets upset because he's maybe a sixth man this year and he's not starting and the Wolves start maybe Edwards, McDaniels, and Prince or Edwards, McDaniels, and Vanderbilt or something. Um, I guess that's possible, uh, but... I'm a little surprised that the Wolves are on this list. Um, The only thing that makes any sense is if the Simmons saga lingers. And by the way, I'm surprised that the Sixers only got 55% of first place votes. The 45% that didn't vote for the Sixers to be the the team with the most turmoil this year must believe that Ben Simmons is going to get traded before the start of the season. Because if he's not, how do you not put them in that category? How do you not consider them to be the team that's going to have the most turmoil, the most drama and strife early in the season, especially The last, or I guess there's one about uh, titles for the Lakers with LeBron on the team. How many titles you think uh, they can win? How many titles for the Nets with KD Harden and Kyrie? And then the last question is, what team is Ben Simmons on when the NBA opens the season? This one's interesting. Uh, The panel, and this is 45% of the panel believes that Ben Simmons will be in Philadelphia at the start of the season, which I guess matches up with the 45% that doesn't think the Sixers will have the most drama. Uh, but 45% thinks he'll be in Philly. 15% piece, or 15% think he'll be in Portland. 15% think he'll be in Sacramento. So that's tied for second. The Timberwolves are, are the next team listed. So the fourth team on the list 10%, which I, I apparently is two votes. So 45% still with the Sixers, 15% for Portland, 15% with the Kings, the Wolves at 10%, and then 5% apiece for the Bulls, the Orlando Magic, and the New Orleans Pelicans, which are teams that have been kind of mentioned on the fringes of the trade conversation, although I haven't heard a whole lot of Magic talk recently, or Pelicans for that matter. Um, but the Timberwolves rank fourth on this list. So, I, I mean... I don't know. I, I don't have a problem with the team turnaround thing. That makes sense. The team turmoil doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. The Simmons odds, that I, that checks out as well. I, I don't know that I'd put the Kings ahead of the Wolves. Um, the only really leg up they seem to have is that they're in California, but ultimately it doesn't matter whether or not he gets traded to California. It's up to Daryl Morey where he gets traded, and I don't think the Kings can offer that much better or more, more appealing of a package or that they're going to be any more likely to pull in a third team than the Timberwolves. So I, you know, I, I don't see him in Sacramento with the Kings this year, um, but but I understand why they're on the list uh, because of the California thing. So, anyway, interesting article. If you have the opportunity to go check that out on ESPN Plus, but there's uh, several Wolves mentions throughout. Okay, next, I want to dive back into the Robert Covington trade of of uh, I don't know what was it February of 2020, and really kind of play out each thread. Um, from this trade which players are still with the Wolves which players are still or are not with the teams that they were traded to on that day in that four team trade and look at what that means for the Timberwolves Today, you know, what what are the remaining pieces from that trade, etc. So we're going to dive into that next. First, though, let's talk about our friends at sweat block. There's a few things in life that simply are not fun to talk about. And one of them is excessive sweating. You know what I mean? When you're sweating through your shirts for no reason, it's definitely embarrassing when you public speak, uh, important speech of any kind, an interview, a first date, whatever it might be. Uh, if you don't want to worry about it, you got to use sweatblock antiperspirant wipes. I just started using them. They are amazing. Sweatblock block is stronger and more effective than most clinical antiperspirants. You can simply apply them at night before bedtime. Go to bed. The next morning, you'll wake up, wash, and go about your day without worrying about sweat, guaranteed, and I know it sounds too good to be true, but you literally only have to use sweat block once, maybe twice a week, and it keeps you dry the entire time. No more pitting out, no more picking your shirt based on which one will hide sweat better. It's doctor-created and doctor-recommended. It works for up to seven days per use, There's a dry shirt guarantee. If Sweatblock doesn't keep you dry, you'll get your money back. It's been featured and tested on the Rachel Ray Show by firefighters, and it's been a bestseller on Amazon for the past 10 years with over 13,000 reviews. And right now, today, it is currently number one in Amazon's antiperspirant category. You can wear whatever you want to wear. It will be your little secret to confidence. It's a must have for everyone's toiletry bag. If it's a big presentation, a hot date, a speech, an interview, everyone can benefit from this product. If you or someone you love is dealing with this issue, you have to check out Sweatblock. Get it today for 20% off at sweatblock.com with the promo code LOCKEDON or at Amazon and CVS. But again, sweatblock.com, promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off today. Let's also talk about DirecTV. Does this sound familiar? You've got a device that lets you catch the game live, another one that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, et cetera. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment that you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before. So you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. The best part means the best part is that there's no annual contract. Get rid of the clutter and the confusion. Get your TV together with DirectTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. All right, let's talk about the Covington trade uh, from February of 2020. So we're a good 17 and a half months now past this deal, and the deal itself. Let's let just quickly talk about the the wolves part, the wolves components of the deal. We don't need to get into exactly. Everything that the Hawks and the Rockets were up to is part of this deal, but the Wolves and the Nuggets were the main two players here. And, and trust me, this isn't just a rehash of like, oh, yeah, you know, they still have Malik Beasley on the team. Let's pull each of these threads and see where they unravel to, right? Um, where, if we follow each of these pieces from this deal, what are the Timberwolves sitting with today from – from this trade back on February 5th, 2020. So the Wolves traded out Robert Covington, Jordan Bell, Kata Bates diop Shabazz Napier, and Noah Vonleh. They received back Malik Beasley, Juancho Hernan Gomez, Jared Vanderbilt, and Evan Turner and his expiring contract. Plus, they got the Hawks 2021 first round pick, which ended up being number 17 in the 21 draft. Uh excuse me, in the 20, in the 2020 draft. More on that in a second. Um, so Let's start by talking about where each of the players that the Wolves traded out, where they are now. Robert Covington, of course, went to Houston in this deal, ultimately ended up going uh, to Portland the following offseason. So he's he was a member of the Blazers all of last year and is with them again this year, the final year of that that affordable contract he was on that he initially signed with the Sixers. Um, the Wolves traded Jordan Bell. Jordan Bell was then shipped off to Memphis. He bounced to the Wizards, was on their G League team. Last year, he signed a two-way deal at the end of the season with the Warriors and played, I think, in one game with Golden State. So he's played in games for three different NBA franchises, Memphis, Washington, and Golden State, since leaving the Wolves. He's currently not on a roster, so he's he's not on a roster at all. Kate Bates-Diap signed a two-way deal. He played briefly with the Nuggets in the bubble after the trade. He signed a two-way deal with the Spurs last year. And now this year, just signed a two-year, not, not fully guaranteed, a partially guaranteed deal with the Spurs. So he is on an NBA roster. But he's the only one besides Roko that is. Shabazz Napier was traded, flipped to the Wizards from Denver um, right after the trade. He's now playing overseas in Russia. Noah Vonley was briefly with the Bulls last year, had COVID at the start of the season. Um, He's now playing in China. So of all those guys, Roko's on the Blazers, so different team than he was traded to. Bells bounced around, is not on a roster. Bates Diap is now with the Spurs. Napier and Vonley are playing overseas. That's it. The Wolves didn't trade any picks as part of this deal either. Now, the players the Wolves got back. Turner, of course, the Wolves couldn't reach a buyout. His contract expired. He's out of the league. I think he's an assistant, maybe now with Portland, if I remember right. Um, Jared Vanderbilt is still on the team. They have, of course, re-signed him now as a restricted free agent. I've talked on the show. Actually, I talked on the show. If you want to go back to March of 2020 and listen to my analysis of this deal, or February of 2020, um, I was a fan of getting Jared Vanderbilt in this trade. I think I did an entire show on why I thought the k debates deal for Jared Vanderbilt component of this deal was so genius. And it was really underreported at the time. Um, so that's a topic that I, I can, I'm i happy to talk about another day as well. Uh, Juancho Hernan Gomez, of course, no longer on the team. That He's maybe the messiest part of this deal because of the Wolves overpaying him in restricted free agency, then including him as part of a deal. He's now been flipped from... Memphis to Boston this offseason. And then, of course, Malik Beasley, who's also been re-signed as a restricted free agent. So the Wolves have have actually re-signed Beasley, Hernan Gomez and Vanderbilt. So the three main parts of this trade showing just how much they wanted to get those guys in Minnesota initially. So that's the that's the first part of the deal. Right. Um, and so, you know, on its face, yeah, it's good. Malik Beasley's, you could argue he's in a vacuum. I'd still say Robert Covington's the better player, but Beasley has the most value of anybody in this trade because he's still got now two, actually three years left on his deal, two guaranteed deals, three years total. Covington's only got one year. Beasley's six years younger than Robert Covington. And yeah, Covington is a a better defender, both as a one-on-one defender and as part of a team, a team concept. He's also a better rebounder. He can play the three and the four. Can, you know, guard multiple positions, really three positions, the two, the three, and the four, depending on matchups. Whereas Beasley is pretty much locked into being a shooting guard. He's a two-guard through and through. Uh, but again, six years younger, more team control. He's a better shooter. You know, Roko's a great, a very good three-point shooter, more of a volume guy. Uh Beasley and great range, obviously, on the on his three-point shot, but Beasley's a more efficient scorer and, and also is a scorer. Covington's not a not a scorer, he's a guy who can shoot the three, but he's much more of a three and D type guy um, and a team defender, and you know a good rebounder when he's at the small forward position. Those are his his pros, right? So in a vacuum, you could argue Roko is a better player, but the overall value of Malik Beasley at this stage is higher than that of Covington, and of course Vanderbilt would be the next most valuable player in this deal besides those two. And he's now back with the Wolves for the next uh, three seasons, uh, based on that contract he signed last week. So, the other thing the Wolves got back was that was that draft pick number uh, the number seventeen pick in the twenty twenty draft. It was the the Hawks pick initially, and on draft night, the Timberwolves traded pick number seventeen and the fiftieth pick of the draft and a pair of future second round picks plus James Johnson and his expiring contract to the Oklahoma City Thunder for Ricky Rubio, who had been acquired that night from Phoenix in the Chris Paul trade, and they got back uh Rubio and the 25 and 28 selection. Okay, so so quickly, the Wolves sent out 1750 and two future second rounders for 25 and 28 and swapped James Johnson for Ricky Rubio. So they picked up an extra year of salary, Rubio's contract. They picked up an extra first round pick and sent out, you know, and and fell back in the first round. They traded back into the or excuse me, they traded backwards from 17 to 25, picked up number 28 and also shipped out some second rounders. The Thunder then picked Alexey Pokusevsky at at Pokusevski at number 17. And of course he was promising at a promising rookie year bounced between the NBA and the G league. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, he wasn't good, but there's a lot to like about Alexei Pokusevski, And I, and I, I liked him a lot as a prospect. So then when it got during the draft last year, it got to number 23, the Timberwolves traded from, um, up from 25 to get Leandro Balmaro at number 23. So the wolves did give up asset management at the time. It didn't look great. Trading the number thirty-three pick simply to move up, what two spots from twenty-five to twenty-three to get Bolmaro, but Bolmaro had slid a little bit. Was at, at one point thought of a borderline, you know, uh, lottery prospect, and for the Wolves to get him at twenty-three, they were excited about that. So they traded number pick number thirty-three to get him at at twenty-three, and then the Wolves stayed at twenty-eight, which was the other pick they got from the Thunder in the James Johnson the, the Rubio trade, and they took Jaden McDaniel's, who of course former five-star high school recruit. Uh, was thought to be a lottery selection, maybe a top 10 guy as as recently as 12 months ago, you know, the start of last college basketball season. So um, what the Wolves did on draft night essentially then, put simply, is they traded number 17 and four second round picks and James Johnson to get Ricky Rubio, Jaden McDaniels, and Leandro Balmaro. Um, Or you could say it this way, they traded Pokushevsky, four second round picks, and James Johnson for Ricky Rubio, Jaden McDaniels, Leandro Balmaro. The Wolves then turned around this offseason and traded Rubio to Cleveland for Torian Prince and a second round pick next year. Um, and so I want to get I know that's complicated, but I'll play this thing out even further here in a minute. And we'll talk a little bit about Wancho, too. We can look at overall what the asset management looks like, what the Timberwolves did get back when this is all said and done as part of this deal. Um, so we'll do that next. First, though, let's talk about our new friends over at uh, at Sleeper. In 2018, the fantasy sports experts at Sleeper realized that fantasy basketball was broken. Games were being won and lost based on whose players had more scheduled games that week. It made no sense and required very little strategy. So in 2020, Sleeper released a brand new way of playing fantasy basketball. It's called Game Pick, and it's only available on Sleeper. In Game Pick, owners pick a single game per week for each starter to count towards their team's total score, ensuring an even number of games played between opponents. The days of losing because your opponent's players simply had more scheduled games to play in that week are over. The days of mindlessly, of mindless daily busy work are also over. The days of pick, giving up halfway through the season because of the busy work, they're over as well. In game picks, you pick one game per week for each player based on player matchups, home versus away, opponent defensive ranking, pace of play, and on and on. All that adds up to more strategy and less busy work. Whether you prefer Redraft Keeper or Dynasty, Game Picks has you covered. Sleeper cracked the fantasy basketball code. If you love playing fantasy football, if you prefer building out a weekly strategy versus daily busy work, you're going to love Game Picks. Download the Sleeper app and start a league with your friends today. You will not be disappointed. Sleeper's one-of-a-kind Game Pick is the most strategic fantasy basketball experience in the industry. All right, check it out at Sleeper. Check out their app; uh, it's fantastic. I actually have used Sleeper for fantasy football now for a couple of years, and it's great. So go check it out at Sleeper. Check out their app, and uh, you will get a a strategic fantasy basketball experience at Sleeper. Let's also talk about TheraGun. Don't let the stress of daily life weigh on your body, whether you're an elite athlete or someone like myself who's just trying to make it through the day tension free. Theragun can help. Theragun's the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed, and power, and it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. The Gen 4 Theragun doesn't just feel good, it gets to the source of the pain by releasing tension using Theragun's signature percussive therapy. It goes 60% deeper 6 6-0, 60% deeper than vibration alone. Whether you want to treat your muscle tension from working out, an injury, or just simply the stresses of everyday life, There's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4. The OLED screen and design make you feel like you're holding something from the future. Just go to their site and check it out. And the Theragun app learns from your behaviors and suggests guided routines. It's trusted by 250 professional sports teams like Real Madrid and elite athletes like Paul George, DeAndre Hopkins, Maria Sharapova, hundreds of thousands of customers, and more. You can try Theragun for thirty days, starting at only one hundred and ninety-nine dollars. Go to Therabody.com slash locked on right now. Get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's Therabody.com slash locked on. Therabody.com slash locked on. All right. Uh let's uh talk let's play out the rest of the Robert Covington trade thing and, and, and look at the um the beyond the draft pick, the Wancho Hernan and Gomez piece, and then the totality of the deal and uh where we sit today here in September of two thousand twenty one. So uh, we talked about the um, uh, about the number 17 pick. The Juancho thing's a little bit weird. The Juancho story, I think uh, if you're watching or listening to this, you're probably pretty well-versed in Juancho, but basically the Wolves uh, overpaid him for the idea of Juancho Hernan Gomez last offseason. There wasn't a whole lot in terms of power forwards on the market. The Wolves got him for basically three years, 21 million um, with some non-guaranteed, the third year is actually not guaranteed at all. And then last season he came to, to camp out of shape. He wasn't the only one, had a rough start to the season, contracted COVID, had some, some minor injury issues towards the end of the season. And then, uh, but Chris Finch talked him up a little bit. He had him briefly in Denver a few years ago. So he talked about how he knows what Wancho can do. He could rebound, he can play some team defense, he can shoot the three. And there was some hope that he'd be part of the rotation this year. And then he separated his shoulder, practicing with team Spain this off season, and um, the Wolves did not clear him to play in the Olympics. According to the Wolves, he thought that they did. He went to the opening ceremonies in Spain, found out he wasn't going to be allowed to play by the Timberwolves doctors. And there was a dispute in a matter of weeks, both Wancho and Ricky Rubio, his country mate and former Timberwolves teammate were both shipped off to different places. So now Hernan Gomez was traded to Memphis along with Jarrett Culver. And this is where it gets a little messy, uh, because well, I'll talk, I'll get to Culver here in a second. So, Wancho goes to Memphis, he eventually gets flipped in a trade to the Boston Celtics. So, Wancho's now on the Boston Celtics and um and Jarrett Culver is still with the Grizzlies. The reason that if we look at like the totality of of these moves and where the Wolves sit today, Culver makes it messy because the Wolves gave up Dario Šarić and the number 11 11 or 13 pick, I forget which one. I think it was the 11 pick to move up to number six, to move up five spots to number six in the 2019 draft to draft Jarrett Culver. So the Wolves gave up assets to get Culver and then they trade Culver and Hernan Gomez to Memphis uh, in the deal that brought Patrick Beverly to Minnesota. So it's not super clean when we're looking at the overall grouping of assets and what the Wolves got back. So we can look at it both with and without the Hernan Gomez piece. So if we take Hernan Gomez out of the equation, the Timberwolves traded ultimately, They traded out between the Robert Covington trade and now. We can draw a direct line to that trade. Robert Covington, James Johnson, the number 17 pick in last year's draft, which is Alexi Pokasiewski, and four second-round picks were all traded out. What they got back, Malik Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt, Jaden McDaniels, Leandro Bomaro, Torian Prince, and a second-round pick in in next year's draft, a 2022 second-round pick. So out, Covington, James Johnson, Poku, four second round picks. In, Beasley, Vanderbilt, McDaniels, Bomarro Prince, and a second round pick. It's really hard to argue that the Wolves did not do well in this trade. If we want to add in the Hernan Gomez thing, they traded out Hernan Gomez, got in Beverly. Beverly's a better player than Hernan Gomez. I understand Culver is also included. So we can... We can include that or not. Um, And also, if you're saying to yourself, wait, they traded a bunch of other guys in that deal. I'm not counting Keita Bates-Diap. I'm not counting Chavez, Napier, Jordan Bell, Noah Vonley. Those guys basically aren't in the league anymore. Bates-Diap may or may not make the Spurs roster this year. Napier, Bell, Vonley, none of those guys are currently on an NBA roster. So it doesn't really matter for the purposes of this conversation. Those guys, uh, the point here is the Wolves basically traded a bunch of unwanted assets Which I know sounds bad, but we're talking about these guys in terms of trade assets, plus Covington, and got all this stuff back, and then continue to churn these assets and and churn the roster, which at times can be detrimental, and it's part of the reason the Wolves have probably struggled over the past year or two. Uh, Well, have always have basically always struggled, but especially the last couple of years, Um, and. But now, I mean, sitting here, I look at that list of guys they got back. Malik Beasley is going to start most likely. Vanderbilt's probably a starter, and if he's not, McDaniels is. So you've got at least two starters on this year's opening night roster between Beasley, Vanderbilt, and McDaniels. At least two of those guys will start. Balmoro is probably a starter by opening night next year. He'll be a rotation guy by the end of the season. Prince and Beverly are both going to be in the rotation and a future second-round pick. Um, it's really hard to say that the Wolves didn't win win this trade. I mean, and and obviously the Rockets are now in complete and not because of this trade, but the Rockets are now probably the worst team in the league. And uh, Covington's on the Portland Trailblazers, who probably aren't that much better than the Wolves sitting here today. Um, I understand that they're still a playoff team and they've still got Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum, but um, it's not like anybody else won this trade, right? So if you're picking a team to win it, you got to look at the Timberwolves. Obviously, the Hawks went to the conference finals last year, but again, not strictly because of this trade. But if you're looking at assets out, assets in, this is a really this is a really good uh, look at asset management, right? Um, trading out a guy, and remember when the Wolves made this trade, they're a non-playoff team. Trading a veteran in Covington, who at the time was twenty nine ish, thirty, coming off of a a, a couple of injuries. Of, I think it was a meniscus uh, recently before that, and dealing him plus a bunch of guys that weren't going to be on the team anyway, expiring contract guys who also aren't in the league now and everything they got back and and obviously they had to pay to keep those restricted free agents. Um but they did and those appear to be savvy moves, keeping Beasley and keeping well we don't you know yet for sure about Jared Vanderbilt, but uh, at the moment it certainly looks like it was the right thing to do is to trade for him and then re-sign him as a restricted free agent. So um Really good asset management by Gerson Rosas. We can talk about Jarrett Culver another day and how that pick was bad and, and, you know, argue over whether or not I tend to think Rosas did the right thing by getting out well he could on the Culver contract and getting back a guy like Beverly well he could. Well, I recognize that Culver's a sunk cost. So did Gerson Rosas. And he pulled the trigger on a trade like that. So, you know, we could go move by move and, and kind of quibble over some of these things, but it's really hard to argue that he didn't do well in this Covington trade. Um, Now, if Beasley had played really poorly last year, or if he, you know, gets into more legal trouble or plays poorly this year, whatever. Sure. I mean, 12 months ago, everybody thought that the contract was going to be an overpay, but now it looks like a bargain. If he can stay on the floor, can stay healthy and stay out of trouble. The Beasley contract looks really good. Um, And the Vanderbilt contract remains to be seen, but, you know, based on how he played last year and the growth that he's already showing as an NBA player, that looks good too. Uh, So, Generally speaking, this was just a really solid trade by Gerson Rosa 17 months ago. And we'll know a lot more after this season about this roster. And if if the the remade roster itself is genuinely better, it certainly appears to be. But this is kind of the trade that kicked it all off. This preceded by a day, the D'Angelo Russell trade, and obviously the bigger moves that have come since then as well, you know, the Anthony Edwards draft pick, et cetera. Um, but this was the big, the first big domino uh, that, that Rosas toppled. As as president of basketball operations with the Timberwolves, so um, we'll look back on this at the end of the season, surely, and be able to have a slightly different view on it at that at that point in time. All right, um, that's all I have on the show today. We'll be back on Wednesday. This is the last week, by the way, that we're doing Monday, Wednesday, Friday. We're back to daily already next week. Training camp starts. Uh, media day is upcoming. Training camp starts next week. Preseason games are in just a couple weeks. We're like less than a month away from regular season basketball, believe it or not. Um, So get excited. I'm pumped. Uh, This is, again, last week of just three shows. So we'll be back on Wednesday with more Lockdown Wolves. If you're not already following or subscribed to the podcast, please do so. Anywhere you listen, that includes iTunes, as well as, of course, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Um, uh, Stitcher, YouTube now as well. Please subscribe on YouTube. You can also follow on Twitter at Lockdown T Wolves and at B Beacon with two B's, two E's, C K E N. I think I also forgot to mention Odyssey. So you can listen on the Odyssey app as well, the all new Odyssey app. Um, a reminder about Locked On NBA Mondays to check that out, hosted by Josh Lloyd. Um, and then also Lockdown Bets. Uh, betting on any sport. Doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Lockdown Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. You can get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Lockdown Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you listen to podcasts. All right. Uh, a reminder that Lockdown Wolves is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Remember, the Lockdown Network is your local experts on all the the biggest stories. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked on Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.